Blog Talk Radio. December 17th, December 1-7, 2014. This is the last show of the year, so I'd like to get a, a little inspirational today to prepare you for the new year, 2015. And to that end, I'm going to tell you something about a musician I just found online. Her name is Emily Remler, R-E-M-L-E-R. She was a jazz guitarist, and I liked her playing. I saw it on YouTube, so I looked up her background. And I found it interesting. And I'm going to tell you five things about her. Just like on Twitter, five things you want to know about Emily Remler. Number one, not everything came naturally. She began to play the guitar when she was 10 years old. And then she went to music school after high school, and she started studying jazz. But her teacher told her that her timing was off. She had bad Time. That's what he said. Bad time. So she went home crying, but then she bought a metronome and she practiced her head off. She practiced her head off and her timing became one of her greatest strengths as a player. That's a, a like a real apple pie inspirational story, but it's true. Number two, she had idols whom she modeled herself after. For two years, she tried to copy Wes Montgomery, famous jazz guitarist. She had his picture up on her wall, and she practiced his style every day. Then later it was John Coltrane. She said, I give my loyalty to someone else every year. Uh, but that kind of love, I think, is is what the point I'm trying to make here. I'm just ad-libbing about it, but anyway, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> Number three, one skill can make a big difference. Because she learned to read music at school, that one skill got her a lot of jobs when she left school and she was just gigging around New Orleans because not everybody could do it. Not everybody could read music and play. So it really helped her sometimes to have that one skill. Number four, she cold called people. When Herb Ellis, another famous guitarist, came to town, she finagled. That's the word I saw in the article. She made sure she met him. She finagled a meeting and after he saw her play, he invited her to join him in a performance that started her career in the big leaves. leagues. Not big leaves, big leagues. And later, I'm almost done. Later, when she moved to New York, she called up John Schofield, another guitarist, another famous guitarist, and he introduced her to other people who gave her jobs and introduced her to other people who gave her a recording contract. Now, just meeting them, wasn't the key factor in her success. She had to have something good to show them, and she did. But being good wasn't enough. Someone had to notice that, and she made sure they did. Number five, the last point, kids. When you grow up and you want to be a recruiter, this is something you can model yourself after. But not this, not number five. She was obviously a very disciplined person. But people are not consistent. So the fact she was a disciplined musician didn't mean she had self-control in every part of her life. Number one, here's the main point. She was a drug addict. She said drugs were a chemical shield for her. It makes you not care if the guy in the front row doesn't like you. And because of that, when she was uh, on tour in Australia when she was 32, she died. She had a heart attack. But I hope we don't die here today. I hope that's not rude to say. She died. Very tragic. But I hope I don't die here today on Jerry Jerry. What show is this? The Recruiting Animal Show, but he had a handle uh, 
the guy who wanted a raise or something like that before the show started. So I'm just going to go right to the guest. Today we have one of my favorites on the show. All I'm hoping is that he has a decent phone. Jimmy Durbin, come on down. How's my connection today? What do you think, Animal? Is this a good one? Uh, well, for the first few seconds, it's not bad. I- I'm liking it. I'm liking 75 it. gigs. It's called getting off of Time Warmer Cable, getting on to communications. Well, you just dropped out, so I didn't hear what you said. Getting off of something? I, I got off of uh, Time Warner and went to Grande Communications. Grande? Grande? Yeah. It's a like little that, regional player. Okay. Like that cute girl, singer now. Uh, what's uh, Ariella Grande? Is that that's her name? I don't know. I'm very old. Okay. I'm older than you, okay? But listen, <laughs> speaking about time, I've known Jimmy for nine years. Uh, in 2015, it'll be... 10 years, and he's one of my favorites. But before we get going, and he's a good singer. So before we get going, we're going to sing a song. Did you pick one, Jimmy? Do you know uh, You'll Never Leave Harlan Alive? No. Do you know uh, Love is Just a Four-Letter Word? (laughs) I do not. (laughs) No, you don't? I don't. No, I well, do not. You sing your song, and I'll, if I, I'll hum along. Is that okay? I, I'd like just sure. to hear you sing. Go ahead. In the deep, dark hills of eastern Kentucky. Yeah, that's, that's the place okay. no, no, where I... No, I'm you don't want to go there? No, how about this? <laughs> Seems like only yesterday I left my mind behind. <laughs> I didn't get that out. And love is just a four-letter word. That would have been better. Okay, Jim. Oh, you're sorry. On Twitter, you're a good singer, though. I know it. He is. He's got a video he gave me. Okay. Well, it's because I sang a song to you on Time Animal. That's the only reason. That's, that's I used it. I've got it on my website. It's on my website. <laughs> SM Headhunter. At SM Headhunter. At SM Headhunter. Website. Social Media Headhunter.com socialmediaheadhunter.com, and uh, why don't you tell us who you are in 30 seconds. I'm a digital and social marketing headhunter who has run an agency in the past, and I've blogged for 13 years now, recruited for 15 years. I tend mm-hmm. to focus on digital natives. Okay, and you used to be live in St. Louis, or St. Louis, how do you yep. say it? St. Louis, and St. now Louis. you're in Texas for Dallas. about three years? Yes, fourth year now. Fourth year? Okay. Jerry, you're back on the line? I am back. I am back. I've got two hang-ups already. Area code 903 and area code 571. Must have been the singing. Okay. Uh, <laughs> well, I always like to research a little bit about who comes and who goes. So let's see, area code 903. Hey, carry on. I'm just, don't worry okay, about forget me. Forget about that. Okay, forget about that. You know, I'm going to ask I can't. Ask, I'm uh, obsessed uh, with it. Okay, Jim, before we get going with your uh, recruiting scripts, because that's what you're going to talk about today, Jerry said this morning on Facebook that he's only cold-called three times this year. Three times. What do you think about that? I think he's in a niche that he knows people so well that he can afford to do that. Uh But it's really smart. You nailed it. Now, if he starts to struggle, my suggestion to him would be to do 10 cold calls a day. But if he's not struggling, he should be working his network. Plus, it's a weird time. It's a weird I, cycle. I would do 10 or 20. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't stop. Seriously. I you mean, just, I, yeah, I, you, just get, you, you just do it to get warmed up. Yeah, I'm not, against, been, I'm not against cold calls. But, but, the, but the goal should be to never have to make any. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah, okay. But, but you know what? There's a whole issue here of what's a cold call. Maureen Maureen asked a question. She said, "If I called someone ten years ago and he doesn't remember me when I call again." No. Okay. Okay. It's a, now, kind Jerry, of a, chill, it's a chillier call. But. It doesn't even matter if they you've never talked to him if you pretend you did. How've you been? <laughs> okay. Now, Last we now, talked, you were pretty busy, so uh, we didn't really get too far. Exactly. What's new? Okay. <laughs> but but Jim Jerry says he's doing well. First of all, he's part of a team, so I mean I'm sure his team members are making lots of cold calls to support his work. So it's kind of you know my life's mission. a lie to say that you know he only made three because his team no is no a no no that's not a lie. There are all kinds of 
parts and pieces in our in our bigger picture here, Animal. Not okay. everybody makes cold calls. You, Jerry. Hold on. How can you do business development, which you said is your specialty, yep. and yep. only make three cold calls a year unless you're just calling your existing clients again and again and again? Is that what you're doing? Is that and and referral and I have a lot of customers that they might not necessarily hire all year long, but when they do every couple of years or so, they give me a call, they send me an email, they say, Hey, need another X, Y, or Z and I'm back at it. You know, I'm always so working with customers. I'm everybody look, he's got this bogus statement, I never make cold calls. I don't want a recommendation for everybody. It's nonsense. It's And nonsense. I'm sure Animal, let me let me say I know at some point my little world is going to come crashing down and I'm going to be screwed. And I'm aware of that. It's happening. It's, 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 it's on the way. I just don't know when. I do That's not know the is. hour nor the day. You, you know that you'll always make your money if you cold call. But as you get older, as you begin to get successful, you think, yeah, I don't need it. And then I just don't like the rejection. Let's start face over. it. I don't like people <laughs> saying no. I don't like being turned down. I <laughs> <laughs> I, I want more no's. I feel like I, I haven't been getting enough no's. Thanks, Pete Lefkowitz. To be, to be tough? What? Yeah, I, 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 it's clear that I'm not pushing hard enough because no one has yelled at me in years. Everybody likes me. They say, uh, great, what are you working on next? But that's not, that's not closing mm-hmm. deals. So if uh, I'm not, uh, clearly I'm not pushing enough because uh, you know, I sank too much into the marketing world, which is a, you know, it's great stuff to learn, but you've got to push people. I don't what need a hundred people to like me. I need four to write me checks. You know? mm. what do you like Jerry mm-hmm. says he doesn't like pushing people. He says that's wrong. Well, I don't like pushing people I like. But there's. <laughs> I don't <laughs> but, like pushing people and having them want to come feel on. like there's a bunch of scripts that I've been I've been putting together for myself. So I'm just you know, I'm doing full time now. I'm moving away from the agency, and all I'm doing is calling. And I keep hearing the same things, and it's. Luckily, I've been around long enough that I've seen cycles, and the cycle we're in right now is about to go into a huge candidate market, which means I can't afford to not tell the truth to clients. And if they don't want to hear it, I need to, to make sure they understand, because otherwise I'm wasting my time. What are you so, talking about now? You didn't tell us. You just went off on another track. What are you talking about? Well, I don't know about you guys, the different niches that you guys are working in, but digital marketing is exploding because everybody likes to track things online, and there's a lot more jobs than there are people. But the people who can do the job aren't necessarily qualified. They've been sitting in the same place for two or three years, and sometimes that two or three years is better than 10 years of experience. So everyone who's sat at their same company for a couple of years now is prime target to pull and place somewhere else. But for, for you know, the example is the uh, Internet retailer, 500. They need to hire about 100 people who are in a field I'm looking for, which is director of social commerce. commerce. There's about 40 people who will do the job right now, which means that when I call up a client or you could call them and say, hey, come find me this, I have to make sure they're serious about hiring because otherwise we're going to be spinning our wheels. It, you know, it's just it's what happens when you okay, have, you know what? have as much Okay, you're talking talent. around the issue. Let me help you, Jimmy. I'll put you in a channel, okay, uh, like you're going to tell us about. Yeah, first of all, you got to make sure, you always have to make sure the, the company's serious. Maybe you'll tell us how you do that. The second thing is, it sounds like you're saying you have to convince them to take, you know, they want people with five years experience. you got to convince them to take people with two years experience because they're just as good. Is that what you're saying? Not to, sometimes. Sometimes. Well, but don't make me squeeze it out of you. Don't yes, make so the me issue squeeze is, is that there's it out of you. Com- Dude, Jim, you know how this show there, goes. You're that. being evasive. Com- companies want people who've been there, done that, and those people don't fully exist right now, or they have really, really big ambitions. Okay, so how do you t- talk them into taking somebody else? You must. Sounds like you're drawing on real experience. Let's get to the beef, okay? Sure. Where's the beef, Jimmy? Go, go, the, go! The beef is, is that. It all starts back from the, my my failures in the beginning. I take phone calls that come in rather than making more phone calls going out, which means people call me when they're in a, a big moment of pain and they want to do a retainer because they're pretty sure I can do what they can't do. So right away I'm taking hard searches that are harder than what other people have done instead of calling around and saying, listen, do you want to wait eight months and then call me or do you want to call me today? So I've, I've, fallen, I've fallen for selection bias, which salespeople often do which says that any job is a good job. And I haven't 
I haven't discriminated when a client calls and says they'll give me a check, which means you spin your wheels a lot doing something that may or may not be possible, okay, putting someone in at the salary that they there's want. There's a lot of people on the line. Does anybody want to agree or disagree with Jim who says he should turn down more jobs, that's number one, and call up people? He didn't explain what he meant by saying, you want to give me the job now or do you want to wait till you're desperate and you haven't filled it on your own? I think that's what he's saying. Is that what and you're saying? I've, I've actually said that. I will say that to a client. I'll say, look, I've talked to three people who have waited eight months to hire what you're looking for. You're in your season now, which is fourth quarter online. You're not hiring anybody for e-commerce in the fourth quarter of any year because everybody's heads down. They don't want to talk to you until after the year. And then they want to wait for their bonuses. So if a client's not hiring at the right time, and, and they, they're, they're literally going to have to wait months and months and months. You've got to explain that up front. You can't assume that you're this great recruiter that can find everybody yeah, and pull them. Yeah, but do all businesses have a cycle like that? Yeah, everybody has some kind of cycle. They have budget cycles. They have hiring cycles. You know, where, where they are, whether or not they're expanding or growing, if they've laid okay. off their recruiters and they need to start over. I mean, there's always a cycle that you have to take advantage of. So you're also saying that these retained searches are not the best because they're retained because they're hard to fill. And you're, you know, big deal. You're, you're going to spend six months working on a search instead of, you know, a yeah. month. And even if you take it up front, I mean, you know, it kills your reputation. And you've, I'm actually, I have a friend of mine who started a company, and they have moved from recruiting retained to contingent. They'll actually say, we'll waive our retainer fee, but this is what you have to do for us. And they sit down and they, they basically become a hiring consultant so the person understands, the company understands what they have to do to bring in good talent. Because it's not money. It's uh-huh. it's the hiring process that tends to be messed up. Like what? Do you have any real examples? I'm having trouble. You know, I got I don't want people that are hanging up okay. on me. I had I someone making ninety two thousand dollars a year. I offered them a gigantic raise, a gigantic raise. It was effectively seventy thousand dollars more. They wouldn't consider it because they didn't want to move. It wasn't money. It was what they were doing. There's another one that's doing the exact same job and is interested, but they're holding out for a VP position, and VP positions don't exist for this kind of job yet. So I'm finding, especially now with all these millennials that are in their, their mid-careers, people who are 28 to 32 who are good at what they do and are vastly underpaid at large corporations are looking at their personal lives more than they're looking at the opportunity of moving someplace and getting a title or a bump. So that's a weird thing for me. because I. You know what? You know, i got to tell you, you are jumping all over the place. I'm going to have about? to take control. I don't have a clue what you're he's, talking he's about. He's being I'm a little slippery, i got to say, Jim. I mean, what and I'm on your well, side. I don't want to name client names, but I'm, I'm not being slippery. I don't want your client names. Let me, just, let me take control here, okay? Let me take control, okay? What are, what are we talking about? I just want a few. To, okay, here, you said you're going you're gonna, to uh, uh, tell us how to get salary information from someone you don't know. A, there we go. We'll do an easy question. Want to do it. So when someone says they don't want to give their salary or they want to talk about it later in the negotiation, mm. I, this is exactly what I say. I say, where did you read that? I shut up. I go, what, where did you read that online that you think negotiating after the fact is a good idea? Because, you know, I, I, I've seen a hundred of those, but none of those people ever seem to get jobs. So I inject a little humor into it. I say, here's the problem. I can't go to a client and walk through an interview and then have you come back and ask for more money, saying that the job was different. Because then they wonder, who screwed up here, them, me, or you? So I need your number because I'm on your side. And when we go through, there's not going to be any come back and ask for 20 grand more. If you want 20 grand more, ask me now. I'm not afraid to ask the client. But let's not – don't wait till the end because okay, I'll have to cut you out of the process. Jim, Jim. Have you ever used the phrase, let's not dick around – I have not, but I've Okay, I'm going to throw that one at you. Yeah, okay. try it. It's like, don't, don't waste, you don't want to waste your time. Because I, I won't go back to a client Jimmy, and ask for more money. Jimmy, 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 you're a great guy, but I don't really under, you know, a job description, no matter how clear you try to make it, is not going to tell me what I need to know till I go in there and have a real one or two hour discussion with the people running the company or leading the team. So I cannot commit myself you know, write it in stone what I'm going to want for this job until I get to see, you know, face-to-face. You don't don't try to sell me because I don't like that, okay? I hear you. I'm not sitting over without your selling negotiation. Mm-hmm. How, how am I supposed to do this? I'm, Look, I'm supposed to go me, to them and I, say maybe me, this I'll is the you, range. I'll tell you my range. So let me tell you what happens. I, I come to you and I say 120 to 140. 
you hear 140, the client hears 120, and then you guys bicker about a few thousand dollars and lose out in the opportunity. How about we just play that game I told you about and go 128 because no one's going to complain at 128. Oh, you want 132? We can do that. But I want a single number so that no one comes back and changes it because you know what the other – this is for you too. If they come back and say they're too light, we want them at 122, I don't let them do that. I like to nail it down ahead of time because my job is to make sure you guys don't get in each other's ways. Can, and can really, I ask, you, can I you're, ask a you're question? competent to determine how much more you should be paid based on an interview. But I know does that. Can, can I ask a question? Go ahead. That Jared. many of us, I'm sure, are wondering. Okay. What, at what point does this salary, this theoretical discussion that you're having with this candidate, when did it come up? Is this on first your first phone call? First Is this phone. after well, you've spent two hours talking about his career? Because I think that's relevant. And right. Animal it, oftentimes doesn't give context when he wants to role play. He wants a bottom line right. answer. And again, give me context. If I'm if I'm calling someone to warm them up, if they're at a higher level, I don't talk salary the first time, but I also don't tell them I have a job. And this is something I'm starting to do with younger folks, too. I'm warming them up to working with me because my goal is to get their trust. And if I have jobs, I want to find out what you're looking for, career plans, which is also what I send to them if I'm sending a note or calling or leaving a message. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about them. If I'm in a hurry and I want to jump right to it, I get to salary because I talk it in every phone call to make sure that they can't come back and say we didn't discuss it. So I don't like okay. to talk salary first call unless I'm in a rush, but I will talk at every other call beyond that. Every time. Okay. Okay. To There's a lot of people down. on the line. Let me just ask: Does anybody want to, you know, comment on this? That that you can't, you know, you got to nail the guy or candidate or girl down on the salary absolutely before you send him or her in. I don't think that's necessary. I just did it yesterday. What I did knew you do? there was going to be a disparity between what the client was asking and what the the candidate who I've worked with in the past is uh, looking for. Now the thing is. I'm dealing with a much, much better commute from him. Uh, He'd be going from the end of Queens to Long Island instead of the end of Queens to New Jersey. Oh. So so it was sort of worth having the conversation with him, but we're talking about like a 15K disparity in salary. So I had to have the conversation and nail it down and find out, you know, what kind of number makes it worth us having this conversation with the client. Alejandro, let me me ask you something. If a person Uh goes out, he'll say, Alejandro, you know, 120 is great for me. And then he goes out or she goes out, talks to the company, and he decides – job's going to take a lot of hours it's not so easy i want 130 for what they're asking for okay and it's not you know you can just but say that doesn't happen why not i guess yeah, sure that it is, happens it so doesn't sure happen it if you if you it doesn't stop happen it animal, before because that's not what they're asking there's something else at the core of that and the chances are if you go back and get that money they'll still say no i'll give you an example Here's a live example. I was talking to a guy who's making $110,000. Mm-hmm. We talked about bumping his salary up over $50,000 total because he has a cost of living to a lower cost area, and his focus was on his car. He got car insurance and everything else. So in his head, 110000 in a big city with $10,000 total with a car allowance was better than the 150, 160 he was making elsewhere. It had nothing to do with the actual numbers. Now, I could have argued with him about the numbers, but all I wanted to do was get him to tell me the truth. Are you nervous about going? Is there something else going on here? Turns out he'd been through a recent divorce. He was bringing around his kids. There were, there were other things that were in place. It wasn't the money. So if you get focused on the money, you're missing what the candidate is telling you, which is I'm scared and I, I, I'm not sure what's going on, and it's easier not to make the move than to make the move. It's, not, it's never about the money. And if it is about the money, then it's easy. Uh, 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 animal okay. believes... Animal oh, believes that most recruiting is about getting somebody a big raise. That's his. That's his limited world view. <laughs> that's not true. No, I said animal, not, not Durban. I, I uh, animal I believes that's not true about animal. Animal is, is it true it, or not? It is true. It is true, but not it only that. It is true. <laughs> it is true, but not only that. Listen to this. There's people who go out, and I got this from JD, our all mutual friend. They'll go out. They'll see that, and he, you know, he says, don't tell the candidate after the interview, they love you. Because once they hear that, they'll think, hey, right. they need me, and they'll start asking for more money. And so that's proof, at least from him, that people do go in, and then after they've 
you know, uh, done a great job in the interview, they decide they're worth more. And maybe they, I'm saying, maybe they really are too, okay? So and there's a way there to deal go. with that. But you've got to make sure that's what they really want, Animal, because sometimes, they're just, sometimes they just want a little something. They want, they, they want the boost, the ego boost. So if it all failed or if you got to ask the salary question, there is a way to address asking for more money. One, you say, well, that's not what you said when you went over. But I understand where you're coming from. You think you want to negotiate. You see you're in a, a position of power. That's fantastic. But how much do you really need? And they'll, t- they'll give you a number. And you say, so if I go back to them and say, this is the number that you want, you're going to say yes. And they'll hedge and haw if they're not serious. Because sometimes they ask for more money because they want to turn the offer down. They say, yes, that's what I want. I say, okay, so they come back and they say no, or they want more reasons. What are the reasons that you think? Write them down and send them to me so I can go to the client and say, is this an accurate description of the position? Because all I want is to make sure how serious it is. Because if, if they're right and the job's different, that's a fair negotiating tactic. If they're just saying that, because and they all say it, by the way. I mean, you can go into McDonald's and they'll tell you the job is harder. And I'm talking about Fry Cook here, not, not director of marketing. But you... You have to say, why are you asking me this? Well, write it down and tell me. And then you say, okay, so if he comes back and he says he'll give you 1500 more but not 10000 you're turning it down? Oh, I'd turn that down. Okay, 2000 What are you really asking for? Because I can't go back a second time. And that, that uncovers, the goal here is to uncover what the real question is. Okay, is it just they said, want a little more because yeah, it's yeah, their you can't, you can't deny what you said before. You said if they think they're in a position of power, it's legitimate for them to try to get more money. Is that is yeah. that true? Okay. Yeah. So Jerry, Jerry, let me, add, let, me add. let me add. While the end result might be that they have to get a, a raise in their salary, that's not why people change jobs. Right. Somebody isn't going to leave a ninety thousand dollar job just because the job across the street or down the road pays a hundred. It still has to meet the professional and career problems or issues that the person is facing at the $90,000. Maybe the drive's too far. Maybe their new boss is a dick. Maybe their company just got bought and they're going to be merging two departments. There has to be a stimulus. Okay, he's got uh, something that's, that's happened that made the person decide yeah, okay. it's time Jim, for a change. Jim says there's three kinds of job hunters. Only or candidates, but I'd like I to get to that. Four. Let's see what the I'd three are, and I'll tell you. Like to get to that a little later, okay? Oh. First of all, I just would like to ask if anybody. There's a lot of recruiters on the line. If anybody wants to, you know, talk, we won't bite you, okay? I know most of you're just listening at work, but if you want to talk, please feel free. I mean, are there like any people when, from your uh, online group? I don't know, but there's a, like I like it when Alejandro uh, comes in. I like it when Maureen says something. Although uh, yeah, yep. she's here, no, she's not. Yeah, oh well. yeah, five one three. There she can, is. Can here. I can I ask the group for something non recruiting related? Kind of like ahead. if we were in recruiters online group. Go ahead. Can anybody recommend uh, an Xbox or gaming headset with a microphone? I need to get no, I need I'm to get one for one of my kids. My children. What? Reading my Bible. I don't have yeah, okay, let's it. move on. Let's get back. You know, you guys, I'm having a lot of trouble keeping you on track today, okay? So, <laughs> so, so nobody Jim knows can, of... Oh, thanks, yeah, everybody. Go ask on Facebook, what not good, here. Go ask on here. Facebook. Here, you'll get an answer. Don't wreck the show. Don't wreck the show. Okay? All right, let's now, role Jim. play a high salary discussion then again for the 50th yeah, time. Jim, Jim, How much money Jim, do you need? Jim. Oh. <laughs> you know, Jim, yeah. I've got to tell you something. If you, if a, a recruiter comes on this show and says, this is the way I do it, yep. that might, he might be the only one. It's nice to hear that 20 or 50 top recruiters do it the same way. That gives yeah. a different perspective to that approach. Okay? So okay. don't keep telling me it's invalid for me to ask that question because you are wrong, wrong, wrong. No, Jim, not, man. Jim, yeah. <laughs> someone says... Jim, you say that if someone says you're a good recruiter, it's a kiss-off. It's not a good sign. Can you want to oh, talk about it. that? I hate it. it. Usually, It's such a weird thing to say when someone is praising you for doing your job. Most of the time that I hear that, it's because someone was in a car wreck or on pills of some kind, and they never call back because they're so embarrassed because they, they get effusive. So one, if someone is on drugs, don't have the call because they're in a really good mood. It, it's happened four times now. I don't know if I'm a curse to people looking for jobs. But 
when they tell you that, it suggests that either they have no experience with recruiters or they really like you, but there's something else going on. It's a weird thing for them to throw out. They're either so happy that you called and treated them with respect or there's something else that, that has happened in the past that Okay, I got a question, past. a personal I, question. I, 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 I may be good, but I'm not so good that someone would come out I and say, saw, hey, you're I doing your job. I just saw on Facebook a, a girl named Sybil Galligan from ADECO. She said, in the most professional way, I love your recruiting animal. Is that something I should feel bad about, or I felt good when I read no, that? No, no, no. That, that's just someone – it's not candidate. It's just someone saying you're doing a good job. And someone's okay. saying you're thorough or I like the way you do your job. It's not the compliment. It's when someone says you're the greatest recruiter ever or it's effusive, there's something yeah. behind that that's weird that's going to mess up your search. What about you say when you when someone says all recruiters are bad? Does someone ever tell you that to your face? Oh, yeah. I've I've had clients basically spit it out in front of me while they need your help. And what do and you so say? When it's a candidate... And it depends on if I like them or not. If I'm in a pissy mood, if I had a couple of drinks with me, I'll say, well, that's because you, you're not at a point in your career where good recruiters call you because I don't need to put up with that shit from people. Um, <laughs> if, it, if it's just on the – no one says that to me over, over the phone. They say, I don't trust them. I say, oh, I, I can understand that. I understand that, but I'm not that guy. Let's move on. And you want to see if they're hammering about it. When a client says them, says it, you say, well, we only exist because you guys are having problems hiring. Let me show you the right way to do it, and you'll have to change your opinion. And then, you know, because if someone continues hammering, hammering on that, it means that the problem is them usually anyway. But I, I don't right think on. that's public right when someone says it. You know, I like that, Jim. What if you actually said, look, pal, the problem might be you? I told that to a guy. Uh-huh. I told that to a guy. He yeah. said, I don't like recruiters. Yeah. Ten minutes later, he's on, you know, he's smoking a cigarette outside. And he's talking to you about his hiring problems. So, you know, you either let it roll off your back or you confront it. If you, you know, but you don't waste your time with someone who's just trying to insult you because sometimes uh-huh. they just want a little payback. You okay, know? look. Your next but I'd thing, rather someone hey, say that than not to just disappear. Okay. Okay. Candidate At turns down offer. Candidate gets a verbal. Oh, this is, is a, a good one. You'll like this one. Okay, go ahead. So I had a candidate do that where they, they just they just said, um, it, so the millennials aren't often good at confrontation, and they don't understand that that's the whole point of being a manager is having tough discussions. And if you call me up and you say, yeah. I don't want this job, thank you, but I don't want this job, I'm not going to try to talk you out of it. I'll ask you information you know, about it, but there's a difference in their tone. If you've, if you've called me and said, this isn't for me, I get that. If you just disappear or send me an email – I, I know there was something I missed there, and I want to make sure because people have moments of panic. And, you know, this is a big decision taking a job. So I had someone who sent that note over. They basically, after talking and getting prepped and getting ready for an interview, they, the last interview I do before submitting them over, they just disappeared. And they sent an email message that says, I'm not looking for the job. Good luck. Put an exclamation point at the back, which I hate exclamation points in social. So I sent him a note that basically said, I'm sorry, you know, this is a conversation we should have over the phone, but you should know at the level that you're going into, that's not an acceptable behavior. And I rewrote it like six times till it came out, not so much of a slap in the face. Okay, did the, said, did the, did the client company have them scheduled as well? They, they were supposed I, to go, they knew they were going out, right? They, they, they knew a person existed. They knew I was oh, working okay. towards it, but I hadn't submitted it and gone through it yet. Because okay, uh-huh. they, they didn't miss the interview. So what know? happened? Let's speed interview, it up, Jimmy. Speed it up. I'm so happy that I can hear out. you, but talk a little faster. She, Get to the she point. freaked out, and she had a moment of like she really was excited. I mean, we'd gone through talking to the spouse. We'd, we'd gone through a lot of information. So it was a weird timing. So I imagine it was a freak out. So what I sent over was I, I told her this is, you know, that you should really talk to me on the phone. And, and then I said, I understand if you don't want the job. That's not the problem. And at the end, I said, just so you know, the window to this door, this job is closing. I, you can't next month and say that you really want it if things didn't go your own way. The idea being that she said no, and then I said, well, the job won't be there forever. Because if they, if they have a freak out, one thing you notice, especially with the younger folks, is that they don't actually have 10 years of experience when they're in their 30s. Many of them have just three or four years of experience because their jobs were terrible coming out. You know, anybody who's been hired, and they spent so much time doing nothing jobs, and many of them didn't work when they were 16. So I took away the job that she turned down. And, I, I'm, and you, get, you know, when you do this kind of thing, what you're basically saying is if you have a problem, call me up. The door's open, but not forever. You're doing a takeaway on something they turned down. 
Because if they respond to you at that point, you know they're a good candidate in the future. If they just disappear, you know that so what they were never meant for management uh, in the first place. What happened with this woman? Uh, she disappeared, so we called her boss. What? Tried to hire a boss. We disappeared, so we called her boss and tried to hire a boss. What happened? Talking to her boss. Oh, it's boss still going. Fit. Okay. But you know what? The way you put it in your note to me was that you actually had a candidate who got an offer and then backed out. Is that that, uh, that has, I didn't that mean has, to write it like that. Okay, you don't have a script for that cuz that happens too, right? I haven't I haven't had that happen in a long time. Once we get to the offer stage. Alejandro, I make sure it's, Alejandro I, the same thing I say. I say, look, if I get a written offer, you're not backing out. You can back up up to the point where they write it, but once they write it, you can't back out. <laughs> you, you, they're not in prison. You can't control them. Alejandro, what would you do if you got somebody got an offer, then decided, no, don't want it? I mean, this happened to me. I, it happens. You try and talk to them. You try and find out. You dig in and find out what the real reason is. You know, if they're talking about it being the money, which ha- which was the most recent time it happened to me, I dug in and it wasn't the money at all because I was able to get him much more than he was originally being offered. It really come down came down to he had something else that he was being untruthful with. So what could I do? I mean, the guy was just a liar. He was a jerk. Jerk. Oh, really? And so sometimes just... people are just liars and jerks. And sometimes yeah. they figure, hey, they've gotten away with it before. Why can't they get away with it now? Well, hold on. With yeah. Alejandro's well, case, the, the, the funny part is the... he just sent me his resume just recently. Yeah, they yeah, always was, do that. Was he, on, <laughs> was he ongoing? Like, like, the problem ongoing, why did he even go out to the interview if he knew he had this issue that would prevent him maybe from Maybe he was trying to make move. his wife happy. Now I'm going for a new interview. Give up. You know, maybe he, he had a drug in... problem. You never know. Yeah, I mean, it, it seemed to me like he was hedging his bets, and he thought he might have had that. And then it didn't materialize, so he started working on the stuff I had for him. And when it did materialize, they, the other bank came back to him and said, "Hey, we still want you." Or who, okay. who knows? Maybe I mean he was he was duplicitous enough that I couldn't put put it past him that he was leveraging one offer versus the other. Does everybody know. know what duplicitous means? Okay, I didn't expect it from Alan. Means Having not three different stories? Yeah, not truthful, okay? So, uh, okay, we're moving on to a new question. Now, it sounds like, Jim, you ask your candidate for references, so you can check references before you send him or her out to the company. Is, is that true? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. In, in this field, it's pretty important because everybody looks the same. And being on a team is not the same thing as doing the work on the team. It's similar to what developers were. Usually two developers did all the work on a team of five. Usually in a social digital setting, everyone's there listening, and they can say the words, but there's a difference between listening and doing it. But their resumes look the same. Their names look the same. Their pitch looks the same. Their interviews are the same. So you have to screen away from their skill set. So I like to talk to their references ahead of time. Uh, This is general always. I always ask for references before you send someone over. But if they're bad references, you know. Yeah, but well, let, 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 let me get to my point. I'm confidentiality thing. If they are afraid of you, well, let me get to the to point. Boss. You know what? This is a very confidential business. How can I talk to references before you know? You, that word's going to get out. The guys making, uh, looking at other positions, and in this case, as opposed to when you got an offer, you know, there's there's. There's nothing to be gained. There's not much to be gained at this point by taking the risk of giving out names and having the recruiter call and say, you know, I'm working with so-and-so, or I might work with him in the near future. Give me some information. That's a risk. I don't know if I would want to give out that information if I was a candidate. I meet you, for you know, out of the blue, you're asking to call uh, people and, and quiz them about me. Anybody else got a comment on that? Before I, I've Jim spent a lot of time around? with him at that point, by the way. I don't talk to them for 20 minutes. And then, I mean, we, you, I do it through a series of phone calls. And I'm trying to get them to see how far along will they have worked with me. So it, it's not like I call them and say I need references. I explain to them what the references are used for. They go into my submittal packet to explain why they were fit, what some of their weaknesses are, to just kind of shred the dumb stuff in an interview. So I, I, I use them as a, as a, this is how we get in the door and make sure that no one's asking you hey, if you're a lion, what kind of lion would you anybody be? Anybody on the line get references in advance of sending somebody out? We do sometimes. I've worked for people who require it yeah. that way. I mean, who you know, it just depends on what you work for. 
Well said that. We do it sometimes. Sorry, I'll get back Me, to Alejandro. Me, Jerry Albright, jerrytherecruiter.com. Okay. No, no, go back to Alejandro. For you, I, I can wait. Alejandro, you do it sometimes? When? Yeah, I've, I've done it in the past. I don't do it currently. I mean, I usually rely on the strength of the inter- interview that I'm doing, but I've had people who I've worked for who insist I do that first before they do a send. You know, really? it, it just it, yeah, it just depends on what you your workflow is and how, and how you like to set it up. What can, how does the candidate feel? Who do you call? Who you can't call the supervisor? Who do you call? People he worked for? Well, yeah, people he's worked for in the past. Typically, I, I won't call into his current supervisor or yeah. her current supervisor. Yeah, you I mean, don't, you you don't know, create a reference. problem for him. Yeah, we're trying to get okay. them a job, not lose them one. Okay, well, Jerry, when have you done it? Well, since sometimes. Hold on a second. Uh, uh, Talent Talk says requiring and checking references prior to an interview seems unreasonable. I got somebody on my side, but I noticed before that Blake Cannon Cannon said he was with uh, Jim 100% on money. So he got an endorsement from Twitter as well. But right now. Hey, Blake, will you do me a favor and send me some of your South Dakota pictures? I didn't take many. Yeah, okay. Sure. Hello. No problem. Thanks, man. Some yeah, of the good you ones. For that, he comes on. When I'm begging for somebody to comment, no, he won't open his mic. Huh. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Jerry, when do you do the pre-references, uh, pre-interview references? Sometimes we are in the process of hiring them for ourselves since we're a consulting firm. And submitting them to my customer, they – they more or less give us the go-ahead if we believe that they're the right yeah, person. Yeah, but your guys are different. They're on contract. They're not in yeah. a permanent position anyway. It's completely uh, Okay, different. so uh, look, man, I was just answering the question. Okay. I don't now, need I, this. I don't need this. If I if I were inside, I would probably treat it differently, and I'm also aware that I don't want to call the references and then have the company check the references as well. But I, I do want to talk to somebody who can tell. I'm looking for stories that I can put into my submittal packet. I want to understand what they really did, so uh-huh. that the, you know the person. Okay, like, well, so it's not like the, uh, yeah. But if I'm checking follow-up. references, then I don't expect my client to be doing it too. I mean, that's part of the service I'm providing. Right, but well, some know, clients will do that anyway. They'll check on the back end, and the contract says that you can't expect me to check references. Uh, yeah, it's okay. a fluid thing. I need to make sure that they're doing it right, and I'm also looking for jobs and leads and yeah. getting a better description. Yep. I'm not looking okay. for supervisors. Uh, I'm never looking pick, for supervisors. Uh, 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 I'm the leader here. Do you ever pick up <laughs> job orders from your references? Theoretically, you can. Have you ever done it? No, I've never Do done you? it. Never. Not in 15 years. I'm just probably bad at it. No. I just got offered that, and then when I called into HR, they put me on the pay-no-mind list. So they're still a target <laughs> company, and they're going to like continue that. feeling it. Hey. Hey, no mind. Okay, Jimmy's going to go on. He says, when the client sees a good candidate and then says, oh, I want to make a move right now. I want you to send me to I want to see some more people. Jim, So your when I hear that, um, one, I, I get nervous because I want to make sure that I'm making a bunch of cold calls after the fact because that's usually the kiss of death. So if they say that, I'm saying, well, what's wrong with this candidate? And let me ask you, in your head, I want you to picture me calling you next week, and this guy took a job $10,000 more than you're offering. Are you going to be mad at me? So I try to immediately create an image in their head of what happens if they wait too long. It's Usually it's a, and they say, well, it's a budget thing. or Usually they don't. Whenever something like this happens, it means it's not fully a fit for them or something else happened. That I, need, that I need to get to, because they always say, well, just send me some more people. Just send me some more people, which some, is pretty some common. Some people have Everybody an abstract that. principle. They don't know how to hire. They say, i got to right. see three people. I got This guy's really good, just what I asked for, but I have to see who else is on the market. Yeah, it doesn't. I mean, they ask that, and I say it takes time to develop. All the people you shouldn't have talked to, I already didn't put them in front. Do you want me to put in front of you the losers that I said no to? Because you probably like them. But they weren't a fit based on what we've done. You know, I, I lean on my own expertise there, which is probably a little unfair. But I don't, I don't, I hate the whole bridesmaid thing. I know it's important. I know everyone's supposed to do it, but it just seems unfair and a waste of time. So when they're asking for more, if I know it's a bad candidate, it's one. But if it's a great candidate and they're going to screw it up, I, I so usually I'm aware that I probably won't be working with the, the client much longer. Are, this is why I stopped other, doing contingent for a while, uh-huh. precisely for that. So the other people. It, 
are just padding. No, you're, it's what you're calling the bridesmaids. I've never heard that before. I forget so like, someone told me about. Yeah. You got yeah, one, they're just padding. You got a bride. Some recruiters say that's that's the word. Bridesmaid. I like it. I never heard it before. Yeah, I hate it. I like it. Maureen, what do you think? No, she's not answering. Okay. I think it might be kind of sexist. I'm just throwing that out there. <laughs> well, it was a male recruiter who said it. I, th- I swore I heard this on the animal show, and we argued about it like a year ago. Well, maybe 10 years or seven years ago. I don't know. Anyway, seven years ago. the client wants to know the social history. I'll bet that isn't exciting as it sounds. What does that mean? They, they want you to do a background check that includes searching Facebook, Twitter, all the other stuff that's in place. Uh-huh. They want to make sure that there's nothing out there that will embarrass them or dig up information. They, cause what do often, you say? Because it's my name. I, I, I tell them a story about the guy who brought in this young girl and uh, went through seven pages on image, Yahoo image search. Yep. And when she sat down, went through the whole interview, said she was a good job, and then pulled out the pictures and showed them to her and said, do you think – she found, he found a bikini, her in a bikini on the seventh page. Asked her if she Ooh. thought she could work at a conservative place like this with pictures like this on the Internet. And I usually laugh or get real nervous. And I say the problem is, is if you're asking for information or you're looking for it yourself, that story may very well end up being the end of your career. See, I will make sure there's nothing weird, but you shouldn't ask and you shouldn't check. It, there's, there's no good way to approach that. I just kind of mm-hmm. leave it there. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, I'm, you know, I'm not, I, I look through people when I'm sourcing them to find out if they're crazy or if they're doing things that are separate. You can tell from tones who fits, especially for PR type of positions. But you don't want to go too deep into someone's history. And I can't believe the recruiters who admit that they do it. I'm, I'm, I can't believe the stuff they say live because it really is. It's illegal. Is that what you're saying? I had. It's not just illegal. It's also there, there's not a real value in it. The question is, are they going to embarrass you when they're working for you? So uh, if it's easy to find them when they pop up all over the place, yeah. not to mention these days you can't do anything without someone losing it. So if you're actively seeking out information from someone, chances, chances are you're going you're to make a mistake there. You'll lose a good candidate. And Alejandro, Alejandro's up. Yeah, I had I had a uh, young lady I was representing at one of the banks, and she had a – I won't say questionable, but it was uh, a somewhat racy uh, LinkedIn profile picture. So I said, you know what? I better look. And sure enough, I found a bunch of bikini shots and stuff like that. Now, what I did was I walked her right through it, and I I told her this is how you get all that stuff removed. You know, because this was, you know, when she was in college or whatever it was, she was second job type person. So it wasn't really like she had anything that was too risky, but in a bank, in a conservative environment, somebody might decide to look and pull just what Jim said. You know, you think you can work somewhere like this, and so, somebody's so going to find, you know. Let me ask ahead. something. Is it, if you're a woman, is it bad to wear, uh, to uh, show beach pictures on your Facebook page? I, I don't know. Who's that? Travis? Who's Dude, talking, talking just... about? What do you think? <laughs> but it gets real quiet. Okay. He doesn't want what to talk. What do you think okay. of bikini pictures, Duke? Okay. <laughs> I, happen to be a, I happen to be a fan of them, but yeah, they, they might not be the proper place in this okay. in this uh, You know what? I I, I mean, I what's just... the difference between bikini pics and your wedding registry? I had a sales guy whose wedding registry was on the first page. I'll tell you yeah. how to push that off. I'll say it's not fair. It happens. People don't talk about it. You want to right. fix this for yourself? Yeah, you want to protect your know. candidate. Oh, the, the thing is, some of these things are taken out of context, too, because you know, here's pictures of me going to Myrtle Beach with my friends, and then all of a sudden, if you just do an image search, you just get all this whole string of images, and it looks weird, you know, and yeah. taken in that context. If you want to look for something that could be uh, questionable, it's going to look questionable when you find okay. it. Okay, final question on this topic. I just posted on Facebook a, a little video of a – a very fat guy, and he's uh, at a hockey game. He takes his shirt off, and he's dancing with with the bear, the mascot, and the fat's jiggling all over. Actually, it's funny. I mean, you think that's bad, or lots of people liked it. Well, well, well. It depends. Bad for who? You know, I, I you? don't care what someone does in their personal life. I care if the client cares about it. That's it. Right. How do you know? That's what I'm that's saying. It. It's all like I'm, I'm a, an extension of their will, and if they're wrong, I'll tell them but I'm not going to waste time putting stuff 
in front of okay. them. Okay. Okay. Yep. And move on. Just, you know, it's not like those they're not context. It's not one picture. If a guy's uh-huh. cursing up a storm on Twitter, I mean. They're... Okay, let's move on. I'm, I, I spent too much time on this. Getting Some people of these political on LinkedIn, diatribes too. Getting people on LinkedIn to reply. You say you have a sure fire way. Yep, I got two ways to do it. Um, the easiest is just clicking through profiles. And having a title change, like you're supposed to have, that says you're exactly the person they want to talk to. So you sit down and you click through all of them. When they click back, you pop over your mobile device and you hit connect. And you get tons of invites that way. And then when you send a note, you say, hey, thank you for the connection. I am working on something, but more important, and you give them something like, are you looking this March? So you take the, you take the stress off of them calling you about a job, but you're, you're keeping it short and saying, let's talk about your future. And I always title everything career plans. If I'm sending an in-mail or something else, I never want to say I have a job for you. I never say I have a perfect job. It's a line or two that says, when can we talk? That's all I want. Give me a name. Give me a connection. Find some way to talk. Because I want to pull them off of LinkedIn and either onto the phone or onto an email or onto some other way. So if they're not calling, plus if I've clicked on it and sent a note, I can also call into their office. Now they've seen it a couple times. So I'll click on Monday, and I'll call on Tuesday, and I'll send an email on Wednesday they'll know that I'm serious and they tend to respond. It's, a, you know, get your name in front of them a couple times, but you never give them enough information to say no. You're looking to let them see your name first and then connect to you and then engage in the candidate hunt. I see. Yeah, I, I gotta, go ahead, sir. Short to the point. I got a get question. Get on the phone. That's my goal. I, get them on the phone. Yeah, I got, I got a question. How come, that's I, what I want to do. How come Maureen is talking to me on Twitter when she knows I can't see Twitter that often? When she's on the line. She's on the line. She doesn't ask any questions here. She's asking them on Twitter. What's the point of that? Same with Blake Cannon. What's wrong with these guys? Okay, I can't control anybody. It's ridiculous. That's bullshit, bad animal. I just ridiculous. posted something and you right away, so you're up to Twitter. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Look, he's fighting with me there. Okay, anybody else got some questions? Questions? I can ask another related one, Jim. How do you get the, the the person? How do you get permission from a candidate to text him or her? Because Jerry texts people all the time. Jerry likes texting. I Jerry, ask I hate using text to respond to people. I I only want I want to be in their phone, but I want to tell them to call me or when to call me or give some information in some way. I hate trying to get in a conversation over text because I think it's it's too easy for people to ignore you. But I also respect the fact that I don't want to talk to someone at work or they've got things going on. So I'll tell them I want their cell phone. And I'll say, when I text you, call me. Tell me when you can call me. Let's not have conversations. Because I also don't want it popping up on their phone when they're in a meeting or beeping a bunch of times and someone says, who is that? Because they're nosy folks that are out there. So I, I tell them ahead of time I'm texting them. I tell them what for. And I always try to get them to the phone after that. Hey, when can we talk? Nine, I give them times. 930? 7.30? After work, on the way to commute. Because if you're inside their phone, you have a, a tighter connection than if you're on email or even just talking to them. Because their phone's with them at all times. But you've got to tell them exactly what you want it for and not fall into chatting away and having a good time. Which I know Jerry, Jerry likes to do with his candidates. Jerry, Jerry. <laughs> Jerry's in a slightly different situation, but what do you say, Jerry? Jerry's must have left or he's fallen asleep or something like that. He had to okay. run off to do stuff. Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, he's always talking about texting. Okay, so now we're coming to the end Depends of the show. Depends on what the what the candidate's environment is. If the guy's in a knock, right. he can't really talk or something like that. Then maybe you need to text, or you know, if the if you know somebody can't get to the phone for some reason, and you just say, "Hey, please confirm this date," or whatever it is, it's a quick text. Right. Yeah. Okay. You ask okay. them, you know. But he's supposed to. He's telling me, you know, how he gets the texting. Isn't that? Since it's so intimate. Yeah, I tell them that's what I'm going to send them. I tell them I'm going, I'm going to, it's going to be directions. I want your text so I can reach out to schedule time to talk to you. Okay. Now, now, what are your big, uh, anything, you know, I saw someone ask a question today. What were the big developments in recruiting in 2014? Is there anything that caught your attention that you think is uh, significant? Um, I think that the, well, it's weird. At the beginning of the year, there was an extensive the time to hire went from 30 days to over 45. 
and the number of, of uh, dropped offers when they did executive search was 41% of offers that were not taken for different reasons, including counter offers, salary too low. There's a you know I took another offer. There's a bunch of that. They also said this was the best quarter for search and the run-up to hiring, but I think it was the best quarter for staffing, contract staffing as opposed to executive search. So what I'm saying is clients are taking longer because there's they really want that perfect person, and it'll be interesting to see next year in this first quarter, we'll see amazing hiring, but only if you can make sure that the clients are doing it in 30 days. If you're, if you're working on long searches, you're going you're gonna to kill yourself because you're missing out on so much money, and the frustration internally is going to grow too. You can't do six-month searches internally. It just kills you. Okay. You get tired how's of looking. This, how's the drop in the oil prices going to affect people generally outside, outside that industry? Well, people, the drops in oil prices are like giant economic um, stimulus packages. They do a lot of hiring. People do more. They feel like a little more cash in their pocket. The long-term problem is what it's doing overseas is it's freezing hiring at the large companies is um, they all freak out is what Putin's doing and the ruble and stuff like that. So a drop in oil prices is good. This sudden of a drop is going to cut back hiring in oil and gas. So it should, it, overall, it's going to be bad, but it'll feel like a temporary wave over the next three months. Okay. Jerry, are you having an after show? Wake up, okay? He's not. He's not. He'll take a call. Okay. Anything else you'd like to add as we pass on to 2015, Jim? Well, that persona thing I thought was pretty important because I okay. I call all across the world, uh, not across the world, all across the country in different types of jobs. And like you, I've been around a long time, and it's funny to me when a candidate says something that they think that they were they created, and it's something I've heard before. So I started thinking maybe the problem is is that there's only a few stories that are out there, and we try to make everything so complex. Instead, we should simplify it. And so I came up with three themes that seem to fit. The first is when you get someone who wants to take a job, they plan their career out, I call them a next step. They come to you and they say, I'm going to my next step. This is my next plan step. It's promotion or a raise or skill set that they need. And companies love that because it shows a candidate who's competent, knows what they're doing, and usually is not as cheap. So that's somebody, there's three kinds of candidates. This first one is the person who wants to improve in some way and move into a right. new position to do it. So that's they've, the best kind of They've managed their career. They know what it is. They know what the step – and they know what the next step is, and everybody understands what that means. Okay. Oh, you want to move to a manager. You want to move to this. You're a BA. You're moving to a systems analyst or a project manager. Everybody knows what those are because those are the kind of the tried and true ways, and that's an easy sell. The new hope are the folks who are in a position where they want to pivot their career. It isn't career. necessarily an easy sell because usually they want someone who's doing it already – Moving someone up. Well, that's the other half of it. I haven't dropped those yet. But on the other side of it is what Canada, uh, client, uh, companies want, which is the been there, done that. Um, that's usually what they want. Been there, done that, cheaper than my current version. So sometimes you have to connect those two. I'm talking about what the candidates want just from their personas and why they say the things they do versus what the clients want and why they say the things that they do. So if you can learn to mix those, because the reason these are important is because the, the reason I call them channels is because once someone in a ch- is in a channel, they're going to say the same things you've heard before. So you know what to say to them. You know what words to use. You're able to say, this is your next step. This is your budget. At this level, you're making this decision. And that's gold to their ears because you're agreeing with them. And for the, you know, for the client, the been there, done that, you have to explain to them what they're looking for, what the market is. So there's... There's easy ways to sell people who are okay, all Okay, so wait a second. Let me, I, derailed, I derailed you. We can come back to this next year, if, but let's just do it briefly. So you've got your, your, your person, the first your person. Next step, wants your to, new hope. The new hope. The that's, a career changer. that's a career changer, really, right? Career well, yeah, changer. Career or industry. Or, you know, you're a journalist, and then you go into marketing. Uh, you're an IT recruiter, and you go into sales. Basically, you have a skill set in something that you don't want to do anymore. You're burned out or done it or the industry's laying off and you're ready to move, and you're able to take what you've done and move smoothly into another path. So those are good only if someone has done it before. So if they have someone on their team who came from a certain area or did a certain kind of experience, that's a good one. And New Hope is a good one, too, because everybody knows what that means. Oh, he's a journalist. He writes. He can do this job. He was a coder. Now he's a business analyst. That makes sense. You know, He managed this group. This is similar to this kind of group. So the New Hopes are great because they show – they're not the best, but they're you're you're trying to talk okay, to okay, candidates. Okay, okay, no, no, we're over talking it. We're over talking it. The third one, get me the hell out of here. Get me the hell out of here, which is most people. 
where they, they literally are just trying to figure out, how do I move? The, the job's bad. I'm underpaid. My boss talked bad to me. I'm afraid of doing this. My spouse moved. i got to make more money. And there's a freak out. They're, they're an emotional move, which is why they're so dangerous, because you have to take them. You have to, once they're in that channel, you have to get them out of that channel because their decisions will be based on emotions as opposed to planning. So they lose confidence cause, and they'll lie a lot because they just want to get the hell out. So it's, it's like a guy in the rapids. They'll, they'll take anything, you know, any, any port in a storm kind of thing. So if you think through these and you wonder why, I mean, and people fall into these categories very well. So I figured I'd start writing about them, push them, combine them, and see if that made it easier. When I'm talking to someone to create a framework, this is what marketing does. We create personas. Uh, so I thought huh. that would be useful. Jimmy Durbin? Jimmy Durbin? Thank you! Oh,